The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Roadwire Prospect Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson. Clay Link is off this week. And we're going to do a, a mailbag episode. I, I know you guys like these a lot. I uh, got a lot of great questions from everyone. They're mostly going to focus on prospects and dynasty leagues. I uh, wanted to mention a few things at the top, though, before we get into those. I uh, just put up an article uh, last night on, on Tuesday ranking uh, my top 50 prospects just for 2022 value. So this is essentially volume three of the uh, prospects for 2022 articles I've been putting out. And I veered off from the tier approach and I combined the hitters and pitchers. Uh, this is kind of uh, what I would use if I were you going into drafts this weekend. Uh, 15 team mixers, uh, if you're still doing draft and holds, um, you know, you're not going to be looking at more than maybe a dozen of these guys in regular redraft leagues with uh, seven man benches, but uh, good names to file away for fab for later in the season and kind of just a spring training uh, viewer guide, you know, guys to keep an eye on when you're tuning in to watch certain teams play. So check that out on the site, uh, roadwire.com slash pod for a free 10 day trial. Uh, I think you'll, you'll dig that. Uh, also wanted to mention uh, the Highlander Dynasty Invitational is off the ground and running. We uh, just finished the fourth round in that. Uh, for those who don't know, this was a brainchild of Brett Sayer from Baseball Prospectus. Uh, he called me about, oh man, I want to say like three weeks ago. And, you know, we were kind of uh, bemoaning the fact that it's been really hard to be in a quote-unquote expert dynasty league uh, that is sort of a sustainable uh, format. Um, you know, you, you, you've all played in dynasty leagues where things kind of go off the wire uh, or off the rails, I should say, um, with owners making lopsided trades or owners kind of not paying attention to the league anymore and just, you know, sort of it becoming a league where the same five, six teams are competing every year and the same 10 teams just don't have a chance. And we wanted to try to start something uh, that would be legitimately sustainable. And we've really kind of tweaked the rules. Uh, I, I urge you to check out uh, that constitution. You can probably find links to it on, on my Twitter or, Brett's Twitter, uh, Jesse Roach is also a uh, 
a founding member and and Ian Khan is on the the board, uh, the Highlander board. And um, the hope is to maybe do a, another Highlander league next year. Uh, but, you know, I think it's it's definitely worth checking out this this uh, draft so far. Uh, like I said, we are uh, through the fourth round, 20 teams. Uh, this is really kind of the the best of the best in terms of uh, experienced, serious dynasty players. Uh, I was picking 11th and I went uh, Ozzy Albies, Ila Jimenez, Riley Green, and Alec Manoa with my first four picks. Uh, it's, a, it's a five by five batting average league. Uh, very on brand there, uh, of course. Uh, I like the, the age that I'm kind of going with there. The idea between going with Albies with my first pick is that I could pivot to a more kind of concrete win now strategy if I wanted to, but he's also young enough at 25 where I could pivot to a uh, play for the future uh, strategy if that's where I thought the value was. And so uh, that's that's definitely what I'm doing. I, I don't really expect to win this year uh, with Riley Green as my, my third pick. Um, wouldn't expect that, but you know, I think I can put together a really good roster and um, be very competitive for years to come. Uh, I'll put a link to that draft uh, and maybe a link to the constitution in the show notes um, if you want to check that out. Uh, and then uh, one more note just before I get to all these great questions is, you know, I got say four questions maybe uh, where uh, the people were wanting to know my take on guys in the uh, in the draft, um, in the 2022 draft, the upcoming draft. Uh, I just really want to put it out there and stress that I am not a expert on amateur players. Um, I, you know, I I have a lot on my plate uh, focusing on pro prospects focusing on dynasty ranks and focusing on redraft. And I also have uh, some stuff sort of behind the scenes at Rotowire that I'm in charge of. So it just would be completely uh, unrealistic and kind of impossible for me to be good at all those things. And I chose a long time ago to not try to be good at amateur scouting. I mean, in, in like big league front offices, most of the time, unless you're talking about the, the general manager, um, you have pro scouts, you have amateur scouts. Uh, maybe you have like a really good scout who's in the Southeast or something who looks at, at pros and amateurs, uh, that type of thing. But for the most part, you know, staying on top of just pro prospects, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them, that's a full-time job in and of itself. And so trying to follow what's happening with the amateur market year round to me is just not a good use of my time. And there's also the fact that the valuations, like if you look at a mock draft in October and then a mock draft in May, uh, things are going to be very different. And so I just don't think it's a useful exercise for me to try to stay on top of things as it's all changing anyway. So what I do every year is I, I, you know, about six weeks before the draft, um, I really hunker down and it's, it's kind of like I'm spending six weeks cramming for a, a big test where I'm, I'm really trying to know the player pool, uh, as best as I can. Um, you know, probably around 70, 80 players deep or so, 
that I can say like with, with confidence, like what I think this player is, what I think he could become. And to me that that's worked well over the years. Uh, and so I just, I don't want to give you guys answers to questions about the 2022 draft and pretend that I'm an expert on it when I'm just not, uh, I recommend you subscribe to baseball America. I recommend you, uh, subscribe to, uh, the prospects live Patreon. I mean, there's, there's really good sites that do a really good job covering amateurs. Uh, so, so please support them. I mean, that's, you know, kind of who I look to when it, when it comes that time. Uh, but you know, I, I know Drew Jones, I know Elijah Green, I know Tamar Johnson, those guys all, you know, kind of look the part of future elite pro prospects, but, uh, you know, I can't tell you with any confidence right now who my number one guy from this class is going to be, because we have to let the process play out. Like it'll probably just be whichever one of those three amateurs has the best, uh, senior season. And, uh, I don't know who that's going to be yet. So, uh, sorry if you had a question about the 2022 draft. Uh, I'm just I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on that. Uh, but let's get to the the questions that I can answer. Uh, the first one is from Johnny Sauce, and his question is: Is Ryan Pepio good? Uh, Pepio, obviously a, a pitching prospect with the Dodgers. You know, I think Pepio has has good stuff. Uh, I don't think he is a starter in the majors. I think the term multi-inning reliever gets thrown out a lot uh, relative to how many of those there actually are in the big leagues. But I think Pepio is kind of a classic, you know, go get five, six, seven outs type of guy. Uh, probably going to strike a lot of people out, probably going to walk a lot of people. Uh, I just don't, I don't think he's a starter long-term. Uh, maybe he uh, could take a step forward this year and prove me wrong, but He's close enough to the majors where I would expect him to be kind of working out of that bullpen uh, sometime this summer. I uh, got a couple of questions from Steven Gerber. He's in a rebuild mode and he is looking to convert Corbin Burns into future assets and wants to know what he should look for. Uh, <clears throat> you know, if you look at the, that Highlander Dynasty Invitational draft, uh, Corbin Burns went two picks after Julio Rodriguez. I think he went uh, five, four or five picks after Bobby Witt. Uh, but he also went um, like a round and a half ahead of the next best prospect, Riley Green. So if I if I have Corbin Burns and I'm in complete rebuild mode, I'm contacting whoever has Julio Rodriguez, assuming they are a contender. And I'm just trying to figure out how we can do something. Uh, Burns for Julio, maybe I have to throw in uh, something else with Burns to get Julio. Uh, but I'm really going to exhaust that specific trade uh, until uh, it's very clear to me from the Julio owner that it's not going to happen. Um, from there, you know, I would move on to the, the Bobby Witt owner. Um, you know, maybe something where a guy like Eloy is the headliner and you get another prospect thrown in. Uh, but I'm really stressing quality over quantity on a Corbin Burns return. And, you know, I wouldn't be in a massive rush to get this done right now if you can't get the deal you want. Uh, Corbin Burns is so good, and Corbin Burns is going to move the needle so much for those teams that are contending this year that once we get a month or two into the season, someone's going to suffer 
a serious injury to one of the pitchers they were counting on this year. And they're going to be desperate. They're going to look at their team. They're going to think they have a team that can win the championship. And you're going to be holding Corbin Burns, and you should be able to get almost whatever you want at that point. So uh, do everything you can to get Julio Rodriguez. Uh, you know, move on to Bobby Witt then from from there. Uh, if you get a no on on those guys, I I just would hold out and just kind of see how this plays out. Of course, Corbin Burns could uh, suffer an injury, and then you're kind of left. Um, SOL, but uh, that's that's the way I would play it. I mean, when you have a guy that good, you can't really afford to mess this up um, from a return standpoint. Like if you, if you end up getting, um, you know, like Anthony Volpe and Marco Luciano or something like that, I really think you're just going to look back on that and, and regret it. So uh, try to get Julio. <clears throat> and then from there, you might have to hold and, and hope that a team gets desperate in season. Uh, but don't be afraid to go after young big leaguers too. You don't have to just look at prospects if you're in a complete rebuild. You know, like I said, <clears throat> a guy like uh, Eloy Jimenez uh, is a good guy to try to buy low right now. Uh, Steven also wanted to know how to find a committed dynasty league. Uh, you know, this is a really tough thing. Um, if I think if Brett and I had started the Highlander Dynasty Invitational a couple months ago, we would have um, explored a way for the very best people that didn't get into the league. We had, we had 125 applications. Uh, I think we would have explored a way to try to form a sort of a satellite league uh, with another 20 guys uh, and then maybe another satellite league with another, with another 20 managers or something like that, just because we have um, this resource basically of a ton of really good dynasty players um, on hand. Uh, so that's kind of a shame that we couldn't do that this year. We just kind of ran out of time. Um, but that might be something that we explore next year where uh, I might, I might just say, Hey, like message the, the Highlander Twitter account. If you're interested in being a part of a very serious dynasty startup league. Um, so that might be something we look at next year. Uh, if you're, if you're trying to join a dynasty league between now and opening day, uh, you're, you're probably not going to find one, uh, to be honest, but, uh, you can always look on like Reddit. Uh, you can always, uh, do a, do a search on Twitter, um, and, and try to find something that way. But, uh, it's, it's really hard to, to join a, a good dynasty league. Um, next question is from Casimir. He wants to know if my opinion has changed at all, uh, regarding Mackenzie Gore. Uh, I was actually texting, uh, friend of the show, Chris Welsh today. Uh, it's just th this Mackenzie Gore stuff to me. And I think, you know, he kind of echoed this. I, it's really wish casting on the part of people who have Mackenzie Gore or are invested in some way in Mackenzie Gore um, being good. Uh, you know, I've heard people reference a new delivery uh, Welsh has seen him in person. He actually doesn't necessarily buy that. Uh, you know, the point is like Mackenzie Gore is certainly capable of having a really good inning or maybe even a really good couple innings um, in a, in a spring outing. Uh, that's, that's not very surprising. Uh, lots of pitchers with his uh, raw stuff are capable of, of that type of thing, especially in, in spring training. If we look up, uh, 
you know, a couple weeks and Mackenzie Gore has thrown uh, 14, 15 innings. He's got, you know, 18 Ks and three walks and he's going three inning. He's been going kind of steadily, you know, two, three, four innings in his last few outings. Uh, then, you know, we probably got to take that seriously, but uh, I just, I'm not buying it right now. Um, it's to me, I think a lot of it is, is mental with him and uh, he's had just the, the stuff isn't as good as it used to be the off-speed stuff uh, specifically. And then the fastball command uh, as, as Welsh has documented on his podcast, you know, he can, he can locate the fastball at, at 94 pretty well, but he can't locate it uh, at, at 98 or 97 very well. So uh, I'm still very low on Gore. You know, he could of course prove me wrong. Uh, I was very low on Lucas Giolito uh, the year that he was the worst starting pitcher in baseball and, and he turned things around. So I uh, would never say never, but I'm not going to just be like, Oh yeah, I'm back in on Mackenzie Gore because he had a, a good spring uh, performance and he's working with a different pitching coach or whatever. Like, you know, I think, I think a lot of you are just kind of um, hoping for that to be true and wanting it to be true. But to me, there's just not enough evidence to suggest that, that it is true. Uh, next question is from David Vidal. Uh, he wants to know how much I like Christian Robinson now. Robinson, of course, with the, the Diamondbacks, former top 20 prospect. Uh, you know, there was a good report a while ago about him, um, you know, being back and, and at the, the spring complex and everything. But then there was a report, I think, a couple days ago about how He's actually still serving his 18 months of probation before he can get a work visa, which is necessary for him to play in games where there is a paid attendance. So he's capable of playing in these uh, spring games, you know, backfield, extended spring training. Uh, he'll be able to keep playing in Arizona, I think, in, uh, in those games um, into the season. But it doesn't sound like he's eligible yet uh, to play, to go out to like their high A affiliate. Uh, just something to monitor. But man, I mean, this is just such a, such a frustrating situation. You know, to me, I think he's served the appropriate amount of time and then some for, for what happened, especially when you take in uh, the context of, of things and, it definitely seems like this is going to affect his development. Um, I think we kind of have to assume it has and it, and assume it will until proven otherwise. Uh, I'll keep him ranked, you know, I'll probably keep him ranked around uh, 200 on the top 400, but uh, I don't think we're out of the woods yet on this one with Christian Robinson. Uh, next question is from Zaddy Guerrero. Uh, Zaddy wants to know, Who's the Andre 3000 of prospects and then in parentheses favorite prospect named Jackson and who's the big boy of prospects uh, in parentheses. You like the way he moves uh, favorite prospect named Jackson. I'll say Jackson, Joe, boring, boring answer there. Uh, favorite prospect who I like the way he moves. Uh, I'll, I'll say uh, Christian Hernandez with the Cubs. Uh, he's just uh, really, uh, really great actions in the, in the batter's box. Beautiful swing, 
um, really, you know, kind of a, a live wire. Uh, very excited to see how Hernandez does this year in uh, the Arizona Complex League. Uh, Chris from Baseball Pods wants to know if there are any A's prospect starting pitchers who I think might be uh, relevant in a 15-team mixed league. Uh, I know pe- people have talked a little bit about Colin Pelleus. Uh I think he's more of a 2023 guy. Um, they're going to obviously see if this is the year with AJ Puck and Dalton Jeffries. Uh, I think with both those guys, they've proven time and time again, they cannot handle a starter's workload. So I am just not going to buy it on Puck or Jeffries. If they do put it all together, that'd be awesome. I, I know AJ Puck uh, ate a lot of food and put on like 25 pounds and in, in hopes of that helping. I, I don't know if that'll help because uh, now he's just six, seven and bigger and I could see that leading to injuries as well. So uh, who knows? I, I don't trust Puck or Jeffries to stay healthy though. Uh, a couple kind of unlikely guys that could be 15 team mixed league relevant but guys who I think are definitely going to get a shot at some point this year, uh, Zach Logue, who they got from the Blue Jays, and Adam Oler, who they got from the Mets. I think both those guys uh, on the 40-man, I believe, um, experience at AAA, success at AAA. They're both more uh, kind of number five starter types, but uh, you know, I wouldn't be super surprised if the A's turned one of them into someone that you could at least sort of stream like against the Rangers or something like that. Um, but I I really think it's going to be a rough year for A's fans. Uh, I <laughs> It's easy for me to say, but uh, if you're an A's fan, just, just root for your fantasy teams for the next few years. Uh, Chris also wanted to know what my thoughts are on Junior Camaro or Caminero. Um, he was the uh, prospect from the Dominican Summer League that Tampa Bay got from Cleveland for Tobias Myers. Uh, there's, there's actually quite a bit of buzz on Caminero. Uh, I took Caminero in the devil's rejects, uh, first year player draft that Chris is also in, uh, just because I knew I was going to talk about him on this podcast. And so I just wanted to, to get him locked up before I talked about him here, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of praise for Caminero in the scouting community. Uh, I think he could be a guy who uh, really, uh, shoots up lists sooner than later. Uh, probably going to have to wait until the Florida Complex League on him, but uh, really kind of a classic corner infield uh, hit and power combination there. So look for Caminero to possibly break out this year. Uh, John Vitovet uh, wants to know if Josh Lowe will make the raise out of spring training. And what are realistic expectations for him? Uh, you know, I hope I hoped that he would. Doesn't look like he will unless something happens with a with a trade of of Kiermaier, Meadows, or Margot. I know there've been rumors about Meadows being shopped. Um, doesn't seem like anything's come of that yet. So I would expect Lowe to probably open the year at AAA, and then maybe we see him in a month. Someone could always get injured as well. But uh, in 15-teamers, I still think you can draft low. It's just really tough to find guys 
that have just it's very obvious that he has 2020 upside and then maybe down the road even uh 25 25 or, or 30 30 upside possibly so a guy that has that type of power and speed even if you only get him for five months i think is worth a roster spot and a 15 teamer probably not in a 12 teamer for me though unless we do hear that he's going to make the team uh john wanted to know like you know what what type of player is low going to be uh i kind of think he's gonna like i think his ceiling is uh prime carlos gomez but with better obp skills so uh that's a hell of a player like that that's that's my ceiling comp on him of course he could be worse than that I'm not expecting Josh Lowe to be a guy who hits 270 or 280, but I think he could hit 250. But it's just really all about the power and the speed with Lowe. Uh, Toolsy wants to know if I'm buying Lowe on Royce Lewis once he shows he's healthy, and then where will Royce Lewis play on the Twins now that they have Carlos Correa? Uh, I think, I mean, I think the time to buy Lowe is now. I expect Royce Lewis to be healthy. He was coming back from an injury that most guys come back from, I mean, that it would be pretty surprising to me if Royce Lewis didn't come back from that. Uh, and it, it seems like he is healthy, um, from everything I can find. So I, I'm interested in buying low on Royce Lewis. He's, he's moved into kind of boomer bust territory as a prospect. Cause it's just going to come down to the hit tool. Uh, he's had that, that big leg kick timing mechanism issues. Um, but he also, uh, was talking with, uh, Jeff Potts about this on the baseball America pod the other day uh, about how Pensacola might've been uh, a tough place for him to hit. Uh, I, I Royce Lewis still has just a crazy fantasy ceiling. Like he has the power and the bat speed to be a 25 plus Homer guy. He has the foot speed to be a 25 to 30 steel guy. And he's on the 40 man. He's going to head to AAA this year. Like there just aren't many guys like that who are this close to the majors, have this type of pedigree, this type of upside. So I'd be trying to buy low on Lewis for sure. Um, and then Toolsy wanted to know where will he play. Uh, the nice thing about Lewis is he could pretty much play anywhere on the field. Uh, he showed that in the Arizona Fall League. He could play third base, shortstop, second base, left field, center field, right field. Uh, doesn't really matter. Like if, if he hits, there will be a spot for him. And there's even a chance that he could be a guy who every year has uh, eligibility at multiple spots. So uh, I'm, I'm not done with Royce Lewis. Uh, he could still bust completely. Um, that's in play as well, but I think he's worth rolling the dice on. Uh, Colin Campbell wanted to know uh, Luis Matos versus Michael Harris. Highest long-term ceiling. Um, and then could either guy be the number one overall prospect someday? Uh, very, very similar prospects, which is just what I think uh, Campbell's getting at here. But uh, Matos, higher ceiling for me just because I think he could have a like a 70-grade hit tool. I think they're both going to be very similar from a power speed upside standpoint. Harris is more of like a plus hit tool if it all works out. So you know, Matos to me, like there's some shades of Bo Bichette just in the outfield. Uh, and obviously, you know, that's, that's a heck of a player. Uh, Michael Harris is more, um, you know, he's more kind of like, I don't know, 2020 with like a 
285 average, which is great too, if it all works out. But uh, Matos's hit tool is kind of the the separator for me and why I've got him a little bit ahead of Harris. But I think Harris could be undervalued in, in some leagues. Um, and then, yeah, I think either guy could be the number one overall prospect in a year. Like they're both talented enough. They both have the, the requisite tools. So I, I don't think I would project that, uh, but I, I think both of them, I wouldn't be surprised if we looked up in a year and one of them was the number one overall prospect. All right, let's, uh, let's head to a quick message. Are you looking for a new platform for your fantasy baseball league? Fantrax is free. MLB Fantasy League Manager is the most customizable, easy to use, and feature-rich platform in the industry. Fantrax offers the most in-depth player pool in the industry, including minor league players. Fantrax offers Dynasty, Keeper, Redraft, and Best Ball Leagues. The Highlander Dynasty Invitational is on Fantrax, rightfully so. Coming from another service, Fantrax makes the process easy. Fantrax can import any of your current leagues and customize if needed. Sign up for free today and be entered to win Fantrax's MLB game day experience, which includes tickets to any MLB regular season game for your entire league and $1,000 towards travel and accommodations. All you have to do is host your fantasy baseball league on Fantrax to be entered. The more leagues you create, the more chances you have to win. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash Rotowire and sign up today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Next question is from Chad. He wants to know, how is Anthony Volpe affected by the Yankees trading for Isaiah Kinnerfalefa? And how does Volpe's hit tool compare to other high-profile prospects like Juan Franco and Jared Kelnick? Um, I just don't think it matters that they got Kinnerfalefa. He's a glove-first shortstop who... Um, you know, they, they've been lacking in terms of shortstop defense in recent seasons. So I'm sure that they, uh, had been itching to get a guy like this, but he's not going to stand in the way of Volpe. The thing about the Yankees though, is like, they, they just never really seem to rush their prospects and they usually end up trading their prospects. Uh, like Glaber Torres is, is easily the last, uh, position player prospect. They've actually graduated into, uh, regular playing time and i just think volpe is is more of a 2023 guy i don't expect him to be up this year i don't expect the yankees to treat uh kinder Falefa as some sort of everyday player long term or even this year i think he's just more of kind of a guy that you put in for defense you know i take the under on like 450 plate appearances from this year um and then how does volpe's hit tool compare to uh, guys like franco kelnick uh, definitely doesn't compare to Franco. I mean, Franco had a legendary hit tool. Uh, that's what made him so special. Um, Franco was never just a, a big time power guy or a big time speed guy, but what he did have was an 80 grade hit tool. Uh, I could see comparing Volpe to, to Kalanick, the, the guy that I actually compare him to a lot, and uh, maybe a cautionary comparison is. Uh, remember like after the 2018 season, how high I was and how high a lot of people were on, uh, Gavin Lux after he kind of, you know, had, he was not a low pedigree guy, but he sort of came from off of the, uh, radar a little bit, uh, to have just a monster season. And he was looking like a 70 grade hit tool power speed guy. That's kind of reminiscent to what uh, Volpe's season last year uh, was like. Now Volpe's, you know, his hard hit data backs up the breakout. Uh, I was one of the first, if not the first person to rank him as like a top 20 prospect. So I'm not hating on Volpe, but uh, yeah, I would just pump the brakes on assuming that he is a can't miss guy. Uh, Mark Gannon wants to know, how I would rank Riley Green, Jared Kalanick, Brendan Davis, CJ Abrams, Joe Adele, and Brandon Marsh over the next two to three years. He can keep uh, any and all of them in a 16-team league for the same cost. Uh, you know, definitely keep Green, Kalanick, Davis, and Abrams. Probably keep Adele. Uh, if if I threw one guy back, it'd be Marsh. If I threw two guys back, it would be both Angels, uh, just because I like uh, Davis a ton. Um, Abrams, you know, well, who, who knows when he'll be up, but uh, he, his upside is so great that I, I wouldn't throw him back. 
Dan wants to know uh, if there are any prospect values moving significantly due to spring training performance or usage. Uh, I kind of tried to show this in that top 50 prospects article that dropped on Tuesday, uh, but Reed Detmers, I mean, confirmation bias alert for sure with Reed Detmers, but he looked like as good as I hoped he would look uh, and then some uh, in his spring debut. Um, so Detmers, I think, is a guy that now I, I think you might be wanting to take around pick 300. Uh, Nick Lodolo's looked very good. Cade Cavalli's looked good. Roncy Contreras. I think all three of those guys, Lodolo, Cavalli, and Roncy Contreras, are guys who, uh, you know, you definitely want to at least follow them the rest of spring training, but, you know, they could break camp in their rotations. And then I think the three most interesting uh, hitting prospects in terms of spring performance are Julio Rodriguez, CJ Abrams, and O'Neill Cruz. Uh, Rodriguez, it's just like he's so, like the Mariners have been so clear about manipulating his service time. Like he, he had no business going to high A last year. He didn't even get to triple A last year because of uh, how much they sort of suppressed him. But is he the best player on the Mariners 40 man roster, like he might be. Uh, so uh, keep following what he does in spring training. If he is just clearly the, the class of that team, who knows when he debuts, I, I'm still just going to guess that it's June, but I, I'd be following uh, Julio CJ Abrams. Like I think on a lot of teams, he'd be up in 2023 and it would just be as simple as that. All the missed time he's had, uh, on this team, though, A.J. Preller is so desperate uh, to save his job. And he had success rushing Fernando Tatis to the majors. I could see him just going down with his favorite guys. And <clears throat> it's not like Abrams has a ton of guys to get past for playing time. So uh, keep an eye on C.J. Abrams. Again, I, I'm i not drafting any of these guys, really, in, in regular redraft leagues but they're so talented. Um, you could kind of talk your way into them debuting sooner than we expect. And then O'Neill Cruz, obviously <clears throat> it's going to be fascinating to, to watch the pirates with a straight face and him, him to triple a, if he keeps mashing like this, uh, it does seem like that will happen, but, um, man, I mean, he, if he has eight homers, uh, when we look up in like two weeks, um, are they really going to send him to triple a uh, probably, but man, that would be a huge bummer. Um, Dan also wanted to know uh, if I expect Stephen Kwan to break camp with Cleveland and what my outlook is for his 2022. <clears throat> uh, Kwan is, I would say legitimately competing for a spot on the opening day roster in Cleveland. Uh, they, have openings in that outfield. Quan is probably already one of their five or six best pure hitters. I think his power output last year in the upper levels, it, it overstates what I would expect from him as a big leaguer. I think it was just, you know, this guy might have a 70 grade hit tool and he was like 24. And <clears throat> if that's the case, just those two things and you're playing at double A AA, and triple A, 
you're going to hit homers unless you're Nick Madrigal or something like that. Uh, so I wouldn't expect him to be a 25 homer guy. I, I've comped his ceiling to Michael Brantley. And with with the good, you got to take the bad there. Obviously, Michael Brantley is one of the best pure hitters uh, of the, of his generation, uh, but he's not a big power guy, not a big speed guy. And if if you take Michael Brantley's stats and you say instead of being a three ten hitter, you're a two sixty hitter, then he's kind of unrosterable. I mean, then then you're kind of talking about like. I don't know, uh, like the bad version of Adam Frazier at that point. Uh, so with Stephen Kwan, you're really betting on the hit tool and betting on the hit tool showing up as a rookie. Otherwise, I just don't think he can provide value in mixed leagues. So I haven't been ending up with him in, in a ton of leagues, but uh, the bat-to-ball ability with him is really special. So so maybe it translates right away. Um, you could maybe even compare him to like a Luis Arias with a, with a bit more pop um, and, and obviously a bit more speed. I mean, Arise isn't a runner. Uh, our tour wants to know, uh, or he said you and clay link were all over Freddie Peralta and Trevor Rogers last season. What later round SPs are you targeting this year? I assume our tour means that we were all over Alec Manoa and Trevor Rogers. I don't think we were all over Freddie Peralta, um, but we were all over Alec Manoa and Trevor Rogers last season. Uh, you know, Reed Detmers, like I said, targeting him everywhere. I think he could be a big time breakout guy. Uh, Carlos Hernandez with the Royals. Uh, although uh, Sal Perez's catching or, or lack of catching is a concern there, but I mean, Hernandez is monster stuff. Uh, Eric Lauer with the Brewers. I think a lot of people are sleeping on Lauer. Uh, Corey Kluber. I've said that I think Kluber could be this year's Adam Wainwright in terms of just like a super old guy going around pick 300, 350, who uh, returns top 20 SP value. And then uh, Nestor Cortez with the Yankees. Uh, we've, we've touched on, I think most of these guys before, but uh, those are the guys that I've been ending up with a ton uh, after pick 300. Uh, Mike Genre wants to know, uh, after a few spring homers, is now the best time to move Joe Adele? Always comes down to just what are you moving him for? Uh, you don't just trade a guy for whatever you can get in a situation like this. I would maybe make him available. Uh, if you can do that without just putting them on your trade block. If you can kind of engage an owner in your league that you think might be into Adele uh, without mentioning Adele and just sort of seeing if he brings them up, um, that might be a way to go about it. But uh, unless you're getting something, you know, kind of a, a no doubt top 125 dynasty guy, something like that, uh, maybe top 150, I'd maybe just sort of see where this goes. You know, Adele is talented enough where he could keep hitting homers in in the spring and the price could continue to go up. Uh, I am worried about his batting average in the majors. And I, I think his speed is extremely overrated, but he's incredibly talented, still very young. Uh, John Hollingshed wants to know uh, if I usually recommend using prospects as trade chips or waiting on them to develop. Uh, I don't think there's a hard and fast rule here. Uh, if it's, 
if if we're talking about a prospect who is let's say outside the top 50 i'm basically always looking to trade them uh you know there's some maybe some exceptions like i, I don't think i'm shopping Elliot de la cruz right now but just it, you're kind of run of the mill like number 60 overall prospect uh i'm looking to trade them uh i just think that the bust rate on those guys is much higher than people want to admit. And especially when it's a guy who hasn't really failed yet, you can usually cash out a handful of guys in that 50 to 100 range for something really good. And you rarely end up looking back on that, regretting it. Uh, you can even do that with guys in the kind of 25 to 50 range too. Like th- those are not slam dunks. Obviously pitching prospects, they can uh, blow up in your face at any moment. So trading those guys, especially when they're ways away from the majors, always makes sense to me. Uh, if we're talking about the best of the best, like I, I'm not trading Julio Rodriguez in a dynasty league. Like it, it has to be a trade offer that is just so good that I can't, can't possibly say no. You know, like a, a, a true Godfather offer. Uh, like I, I don't think I would trade Julio Rodriguez for Mookie Betts. Um, I probably I'd consider trading Julio Rodriguez for a guy like Luis Robert, uh, but even then, it's just I don't know. Um, with the, that next tier guys, you know, you're you're always listening, but the better the prospect, the more likely I am to kind of just let them develop and and hopefully turn into uh, one of the better versions of themselves. Um, Sully wants to know with all the Cubs outfield acquisitions, is Brennan Davis still worth consideration in a keeper league? What's his ETA? Uh, Davis is still the best Cubs outfielder to have in a dynasty league, uh, in a keeper league, uh, maybe say a Suzuki just because, you know, in, in that format, you're usually just really valuing that now value, but, uh, like the Cubs are not blocking Brennan Davis. Uh, Brendan Davis is going to have every day at bats whenever he's ready. There's, there's nobody standing in his way. Uh, there's, there just, there just isn't like, look at that depth chart. Uh, it's Seiya Suzuki, it's Ian Happ when he's healthy and it's Brendan Davis and you know, someone else is going to just miss out. That's, that's the way it's going to go. Uh, I think Davis is up in June or July. I think. There's, you know, he had enough success for a long enough time at AAA last year. Are they going to have him spend a year and a half at AAA? I just, I don't see it. They're already spending money. They're, they spent money on Suzuki, Stroman. Davis is the future best player on this team. I think getting him reps now so that he's really ready to take that next step in 2023 makes way more sense than just messing with his development and keeping him down all season. And if you're going to bring him up this year, bring him up in June instead of August, right? Like, you know, you're, you're getting the same amount of service time either way. Uh, Brian DeVino wants to know any thoughts on Pedro Leon now that Carlos Correa is gone. Uh, Pedro Leon showing off that, that pull side power in uh, spring training today hit a, hit a big bomb. Uh, Correa being gone doesn't really affect Leon. It affects Jeremy Pena. Jeremy Pena is going to be the shortstop. Pedro Leon's been playing center field, so uh, that's where his wheels are going to be put to use. Uh, I still think Pedro Leon is a great buy low, uh, and I think he could be up 
uh, sometime this year. I mean, I've, I've talked a lot about him on, on this pod, other pods written about him. Uh, but I, I could see Leon just mashing at AAA this year and, and forcing the issue in, in June. Uh, Matt Young wants to know uh, an off the radar prospect you think is worth going after in drafts or auction for a buck or two that could go for 10 or more next year. Um, the fact that he said auction makes me think uh, we're talking about redraft here. So uh, to me, that's, he's not off the radar really, unless you're just playing in a, in a really um, not competitive league, but I'll just say read Detmers again. Um, I don't think you're spending money in an auction unless it's like an only league on guys who are much worse than Detmers in our, in our prospects. So I'll say Detmers. Uh, Banksy wants to know if I would drop Sixto Sanchez in a dynasty points league to pick up MJ Melendez, Kevin Alcantara, uh, Brian Rocchio or Henry Davis. I would drop Sixto Sanchez for any of them. Uh, the question is who would I drop him for? In a dynasty points league, um, you know, I love Brian Rocchio the most of those four in five by five roto. Uh, I think Rocchio's just got a perfect game for for standard five by five roto with batting average. He's going to hit for high average, twenty homers, twenty steals. You know, I think he's going to hit first or second. Uh, in a points league. You know, depending on your scoring, I could see MJ Melendez being the guy. And spoiler alert, uh, I'm going to probably bump MJ Melendez up a little bit on this next update. Uh, just becoming more and more comfortable buying into Melendez's hit tool, I think. Uh, I think he's somehow underrated, even though he led the minors in homers last year. He's not necessarily underrated in redraft. I don't have any of him in, in NFBC leagues. He's going around pick 400. But I think in Dynasty, MJ Melendez might be a little uh, underrated. And he'll be up this year. Rokio probably won't be. Uh, Melendez has been playing some third base. Uh, and he might play enough catcher to keep that eligibility. So, I mean, the dream would just be Melendez kind of being a guy who's eligible at catcher and third base most years, which would be awesome if he's playing every day. So uh, in a points league, I think there's definitely a case for Melendez because Rokio's speed doesn't really matter as much. I love Alcantara and Davis too, but uh, probably be Melendez there. Uh, the Ulysses sect wants to know if Adam Frazier is in a timeshare at second base in Seattle. And with that loaded lineup, if he could be uh, top six or seven second baseman, I mean, is how loaded is that lineup? I mean, it's it's a pretty good lineup. Uh, I don't think we're talking about like a Dodgers or uh, Blue Jays lineup where it's just propelling guys into you know, really high finishes. Uh, Adam Frazier, I think he could be an everyday guy. The big question with him is where is he hitting in that lineup? Because if he's not leading off, at least against righties, then you then you're talking about a guy hitting sixth or seventh who is going to hit fewer than ten homers and steal fewer than ten bases. So I'm just the the only category that I could see Frazier being 
a major positive in is batting average. But I just don't I don't go after Adam Frazier's or, or Luisa Reyes's uh, for the batting average. I can usually draft batting average fairly early. And I just I need guys that are going to really juice up the the counting stats, and he I just don't see him doing that. Uh, the Ulysses sect also wanted to know who gets the call first out of Max Meyer, George Kirby, Tristan Casas, and Nick Gonzalez. I uh, don't think we see Nick Gonzalez till next year, so we cross him off. Uh, if George Kirby stays healthy, I think we see him first just because I think there's not really much standing in his way. Whereas Max Meyer kind of has to get past a couple guys or have a couple guys get hurt. Uh, Max Meyer's debut really kind of largely depends on the health of the guys ahead of him. So we could see him in June. We could see him in August. Uh, Tristan Casas, I'll, I'll say comes up second out of those four. Um, I think he'll, he's going to kind of kick the door down. I think this year at AAA. All right. Experience a new way to play daily fantasy sports on Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is an exciting player prop fantasy contest. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up for Thrive Fantasy today and receive a free six-month Rotowire subscription. Here's how you claim your free Rotowire subscription. Visit rotowire.com slash thrive. Deposit a minimum of $10 and receive 100% deposit bonus up to $100. Play in your first paid contest and receive a free six-month Rotowire subscription. All right, we are back to the questions. Zach Lambros wants to know uh, my thoughts on Drew Rahm uh, with the Orioles and Louis Varland with the Twins. Any upside? What's their ETA? Uh, you know, Rahm and Varlin both have better minor league numbers than pure stuff. Uh, I like, I like Rahm the pitcher more. I think he's pretty underrated. I like Varlin's situation more coming up with the twins in uh, that division with, you know, Byron Buxton behind you, uh, pretty good setup there. Uh, most likely we're talking about a couple number five starters, but I, I think I've got them both ranked on the top 400 just because th they have a chance to, to maybe outperform um, that projection. Uh, Joe McHugh wants to know if I can talk a little bit about my process for determining if, when, and how a player in the 400, 600 range or later should be moved way up into the top 400. Uh, this is a great question uh, from Joe. Um, so my general process is that uh, in like my personal spreadsheet uh, for each team, I have, you know, between 10 and 20 guys who are not ranked on the top 400 uh, sort of highlighted going into the season who I'm going to really keep tabs on uh, each time I do an update. And so, Anytime I'm doing a, a big update, I'm going through um, team by team and seeing how that kind of collection of, of next best prospects are doing. And the guys who are, are just really performing well, uh, look into them a little further, uh, maybe put them on the top 400. And then uh, there's also always going to be guys who just pop up who are not guys that I had sort of pegged before the year as, as watch list guys. 
and you know things are so uh you know prospect dynasty prospect twitter is just so rich these days with uh analysis that you know people are turning these guys up a lot of times even before i am someone i'm following is is tweeting about someone who's, who's breaking out uh, that I wasn't on before the season. And then I can just go do some research and kind of confirm like how, how real I think uh, that breakout is. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a great question, Joe. Uh, always just kind of comes down to, you know, finding the guy who's performing uh, maybe more than expected or obviously more than expected. And then kind of like looking under the hood, uh, you know, how, how is the, the approach, if it's a hitter, uh, where are they hitting, um, age to level, that kind of stuff. Uh, what's their batter ball profile? Uh, what's their speed grade? Um, all that kind of stuff. You know, how, how do they profile defensively? Or are they going to be an asset? Is that going to get their bat in the lineup? Uh, with a pitcher, I mean, we're definitely looking at video at that point, uh, trying to figure out uh, how good the, the pitches are. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a really good question, Joe. Uh, Dan wants to know which Royals first baseman do we see first out of Vinny Pascantino and Nick Prado? Uh, we see Prado first. He really struggles. And then we see Pascantino. Uh, I, I just think, you know, look at where they finished last year. I don't see them leapfrogging Pascantino over Prado. I think they're going to give Prado a chance. I don't expect him to seize it. And I think Pasquantino will eventually get a chance. Uh, might not see Pasquantino until next year, although maybe he just doesn't have much left to prove in the minors. I mean, he's pretty old. So maybe we see them both this year. I, I still think they're going to play Carlos Santana, though, until at least like June. And I wouldn't be surprised if Santana bounced back a little bit. So uh, not on either of those guys for this year. Uh, definitely on uh, Melendez. If you're looking for a second Royals hitter uh, after Bobby Witt, uh, John Dobbs has a few questions here. Uh, first one, Jesus Sanchez playing time concerns, uh, not playing time concerns, but where he hits in the lineup concerns a little bit. You know, he, it, it did seem uh, a while ago that maybe he could be the, the number four hitter uh, worried now that maybe he enters the year as the fifth or sixth hitter. Of course, with all this depth, if Sanchez really scuffles, then <clears throat> we could start seeing some playing time concerns because they have uh, guys that they can turn to. But uh, more concerned about Sanchez's spot in the lineup now. Uh, he also wants to know, could Keston Hira beat out Rowdy Telez? Uh No, he couldn't. Uh, Hira, like, Hira's, Hira's a DH. Hira is he needs to just really, really rake to be the DH. And uh, I don't know. I think seems unlikely to me. Um, John also wants to know, do Miguel Vargas, Michael Bush, and Gavin Lux need to get traded? Uh, naming three Dodgers prospects or former prospects there that all kind of play, you know, second base, third base. I think Miguel Vargas has passed Gavin Lux in terms of uh, who the Dodgers have more long-term belief in like Vargas, you know, the way that they talk about him, it, it 
seems like he factors into their plans. Not necessarily this year, certainly not early this year, but it, it could be uh, up later this summer. You know, Bush and Lux could get traded. I think uh, there'd be teams that would love to have those guys. The thing is, when you're the Dodgers, you just don't have like what? Why are you trading Bush and Lux? What are you getting back? What do, What do the Dodgers need? The Dodgers just kind of have everything. Uh, I think trading a guy like Eddie's Leonard or Yorbit Vivas for Craig Kimbrell makes a ton of sense. I mentioned that on a pod a couple months ago with Jeff Erickson. But I just I think Michael Bush and Gavin Lux are too good to trade for one year of Craig Kimbrell at an appropriate contract. So I think they're just going to sit on all their crazy depth. Uh, there'll probably come another time when it's time to to go trade for a Max Scherzer, Trey Turner type of guy, and they'll they'll put uh, something good on the table. But if there's just you know what's what's the point of trading Michael Bush right now? Like obviously it'd be great for our dynasty teams, but, uh, the Dodgers don't care about that. Uh, John also wants to know, uh, Tommy Romero with the Rays. Is he a starter or a reliever? I was looking at their depth chart earlier today and man, I think Tommy Romero is starting to look like one of their six or seven best options already. Uh, I don't really buy Luis Patino as a true starter. I think he's more of like a three or four inning guy. Romero is a guy with a modern fastball. He's on the 40-man roster, had success in the upper levels last year. So I think Romero's a great uh, end-game draft and hold target. I, I took him with the last pick of the Tout Wars draft and hold, 50-rounder uh, with 15 teams. And then we'll, we'll probably see Romero in the first half. Maybe he debuts as kind of a – a two to three inning guy. Uh, but I, I think he could, I think Romero could have, let's say eight to 15 outings with the big club this year that are over three innings. And then we, we kind of go from there. So uh, Romero is a good deep name to keep an eye on. Yukon uh, Jack wants to know uh, thoughts on Colton Cowser and Kobe Mayo and what are their ETAs in the Orioles system? I think Kowser is a little overrated right now. Uh, he's still to date, hasn't played at a age-appropriate level or kind of a, a talent-appropriate level, even dating back to college. So let's see how Kowser does at double A. You know, hit tool is, is very impressive. Uh, let's just see how he does, though, once he kind of is facing uh, legitimate pitching. And Kobe Mayo, I've talked about a lot. I love Kobe Mayo. I think he is. I've uh, I've traded him in some dynasty leagues uh, as a win now um, chip. Uh, he headlined a deal that Eno Saris and I did in Devils Rejects for uh, Charlie Morton. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think look up three years from now, Kobe Mayo could be uh, one of the most exciting young hitters in the game. Uh, Kowser probably debuts next year if if he kind of goes through double A AA and triple A without a ton of resistance. Kobe Mayo, probably more like 2024. Uh, friend of the show, Michael Parnell, uh, who, who should have won that uh rock band bracket from uh, a few months ago, 
uh, wanted to know which prospect in the back half of the top 400 has the best chance to surprise this summer, either by getting to the big leagues or leaping into the top 100. Um, I'll, I'll give a, a hitter and a pitcher. Uh, hitter, uh, Kalai Rosario with the Twins. I uh, love his his raw power. Uh, I think he could break out this year. Just got to watch the strikeouts with him. And then uh, pitcher, Bryce Bonin with the Reds. Um, Big-time stuff. Bon- Bonin, you know, if he stays healthy and throws strikes, he could be a big-time riser this year. Uh, Tomorrow's Baseball Today wants to know if he should – invest in in daniel Spino long term or cash him out uh that just kind of comes down to your risk tolerance uh it's kind of with with a guy like Espino, who has a very high ceiling and could need tommy john tommy john surgery at any moment it's kind of like you're playing uh, russian roulette a little bit so if you want to ride it out you could have the number one pitching prospect in the game in a year. If you want to cash him out, chances are you won't regret that a ton. Uh, you know, I think, you, you know, at some point something's probably going to go wrong with the Spino, uh, but it also comes down to what are you going to get for him? Like you don't just say, okay, I'm trading a Spino no matter what, like you have to see what's out there. Uh, cheese beef or Chaz beef wants to know if I'm going to put out uh, my surprising minor league assignments article this year definitely that's that's one of the more useful articles i do each year so i would say you could probably look for that sometime in april j h schroeder wants to know uh, what makes me buy or not buy a guy that's putting up big numbers but is old for the level uh with hitters it's really it, it's it seems um simple but strikeouts and walks uh, look at uh, Vinny Pasquantino last year. Look at Dustin Harris last year. Look at Stephen Kwan last year. Strikeouts and walks. Uh, that's that's kind of a barometer of how real it is. If a guy is, um, you know, there there's some exceptions kind of to that rule. Um, not necessarily fully buying in, but. Uh, a good example is um, Joey Joey Weimer uh, or Joey Weimer with the the Brewers. You know he's he's got the walks, uh, but he's also got a lot of strikeouts. But his power and speed are so intense that I I ranked him top seventy five because I think we just got to see and like it's not like he was just at low A all year and was mashing and then the season was over. He was, he kept getting promotions. He kept performing. He, he got better with each stop. So like, let's just sort of see where this goes with a guy like that. Uh, but w- in general, we're looking at, well, how, how old is this guy? <clears throat> like if, if a guy's 24 and they're an a ball, uh, there's basically nothing they can do that would pique my interest until they get to double a, but if it's a 21 or 22 year old and they're putting up Vinny Pasquantino numbers, <clears throat> then I think it's, it's definitely um, something to keep an eye on. And uh, Dustin Harris, <clears throat> a big part of buying in on him was just uh, watching a lot of video 
And it's, you know, you could just kind of see it um, when a guy just has that natural ability to get the barrel on the ball, uh, really look the part. So um, that's what I'm looking for with, with hitters, uh, with pitchers. You're just looking at what's, what's the stuff like, um, can you get any reports public or private on just what, what is the caliber of the stuff? How, how hard is the fastball? What's the movement characteristics? Uh, what's the spin on the breaking balls? What's the, uh, whiff rate on, on the, the off-speed stuff? Um, cause like there's, you know, there's a lot of guys, pitchers who could put up great numbers in the lower levels just by commanding a few pitches and having a good change up, that type of thing. Age doesn't matter that much to me with pitchers though. Uh, it's just, it's kind of, what's the stuff? How good's the stuff? Howard Sider wants to know of the Mets top position prospects, Brett Beatty, Francisco Alvarez, Mark Vientos, Ryan Mauricio, Khalil Lee. Who's the most likely to get time with the club this year and what type of impact can we expect? Uh, I don't think Batty's or I don't think uh, Beatty's up this year. I don't think Alvarez is up this year. I don't think Mauricio's up this year. Uh, Khalil Lee's kind of like their their fifth or sixth outfielder entering the year, so I think we will probably see him at some point. Uh, Vientos is on the forty man. There's just there's not really anywhere for him to play, uh, but I still think we probably see him. Um, via injuries or, or something like that. I don't think we're looking at much fantasy production from any of those guys though, till 2023. And then Howard wanted to know if I prefer uh Beatty or, or Vientos long-term. I think I'm one of the very few people who actually likes Vientos more than Beatty. Uh, both of them are going to strike out. Beatty's going to take his walks more, but he's also going to hit the ball on the ground a lot more. Vientos has a perfect power stroke and it's, it's big time power. So I think they're both flawed. I just think Vientos is a better bet to get to 30 homers, which you kind of need to do if you're going to play third base. Uh, let's have uh, let's hit to hit another read here. Do you think your betting skills are good enough to win you tickets to the final four? It's time to put your money where your mouth is. Better Edge is giving away a trip for two to the Final Four in New Orleans. All you have to do is join their contest at betteredge.com slash Final Four. Better Edge believes sports betting with no fees should be the norm. And odds are it's legal in your state. Check it out and enter their March Madness contest for a chance to win a trip to the Final Four. Head over to betteredge.com slash Final Four. That's B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com slash Final Four. Terms and conditions apply. All right, got a few more questions here, and then we'll wrap things up. JLD wants to know, uh, he he kept Boz, Shane Boz, in a keeper league with daily moves and five IL spots over Aaron Ashby and wonders if he should reconsider. I think with the five IL spots, that's reasonable and fine. Uh, would not do that in a normal league with, say, seven-man benches and no IL spots. But if you can stash Boz on the the IL, uh, I think that that that's that's fine. Uh, I I like Ashby more than Boz now, as I said and as I mentioned in the uh, article that went up yesterday. Uh, 
people, I mean, people just keep sleeping on Ashby's upside. I think a lot of people just think there's a massive gap between Boz's upside and Ashby's upside. I definitely would give Boz the edge. Uh, if we're just going pitch by pitch, I think each guy has three plus or better pitches. Boz probably has a couple 70 grade pitches. And I think we can trust Boz's command more than we can trust Ashby's. But uh, Ashby has a edge in terms of team context. I think uh, NL Central, uh, that just is such a nice setup for Ashby. The Brewers, I mean, we're talking about two of the best teams at developing uh, pitchers, but the Brewers are the best team at developing pitchers. So I, I like Ashby more than Boz just because of the factor of you having to use a bench spot on Boz. And I don't expect Boz back until mid-May at the earliest. So you're talking about six weeks without him and him taking up a bench spot. But with the IL spots, I think it's fine to, to go Boz over Ashby. Uh, Morgan Day uh, says he was watching James Outman, uh, toolsy outfielder with the Dodgers, and wants to know if he will ever get a look uh he'll he'll be up you know he'll be kind of an up and down fifth or sixth outfielder for the dodgers he provides value on defense and he's got some power and some uh, obp potential but uh, i mean he's he's like 24 i think or 25 and the dodgers just have a bunch of these guys their 40 man is just loaded with like 25 year old uh, hitters who on a lot of other teams would be getting a chance to be everyday players, but on their team, they're just depth pieces. So I just, I don't see a scenario where Outman gets a real look to be much more than like a fourth outfielder for them. Uh, Jake Tolson wants to know the percent chance Riley green breaks camp with the tigers. Uh, I'll say 70%. Uh, it's not a lock, regardless of the reports that are up on our side and other sites. Uh, I think Green, there's there's been some strikeouts this spring, which is not not a red flag at all. But um, let's just see how he's doing. You know, we're all rushing to judgment on these guys. I'm guilty of that too. But let's look up in a week and see what Green is hitting, how many strikeouts he has, how many walks he has. I think they would like him to – I think they'd like Green and Torkelson to force their way onto that starting roster. Uh, but I I don't think they're going to enter the year with those guys as starters if they think there's a decent chance that they really struggle because I think they'd just be much better to send them to AAA in that case. Uh, Ian Strada wants to know if I'd be worried in Dynasty about Chris Bryant getting traded down the line. Uh, not really, because I think that contract is going to look really bad, uh, in short order. Like this is, this is much more like a Charlie Blackman contract than a Nolan Arenado contract. I don't think there will be teams willing to give the Rockies anything, uh, to take on that money. So I think he, like, I'm happy for Chris Bryant, you know, good job by Scott Boris. I thought his line, Scott Boris. Scott Boris always cracks me up. Uh, he might have had the, the the two lines of the offseason to me so far. Uh, when someone asked Scott Boris what the other 
uh, teams that were interested in Chris Bryant were at the press conference where he was with the Rockies. Scott Boris said, uh, when I go to a wedding, I don't talk about the bridesmaids. I thought that that was a, an 80 grade line from Scott Boris. And then, uh, uh, the other best line I think was from um, Buck Showalter when uh, he was talking about uh, was it Ryan Flaherty or uh, some some old uh, journeyman that made the the Orioles a, a while ago uh, for like a talent show he brought uh, some monkeys into the talent show and that that's why Showalter put him on the opening day roster and then he he said in quotes uh, that took guts. Um, so I could just picture Buck Showalter saying that and that, that gave me a chuckle, but uh, back to the Chris Bryant thing, like happy for him. Good that good for him for getting that money. Uh, but that's not going to be a value contract. Uh, the Rockies, I think were kind of suckers for giving him that contract. And uh, I just don't see another team giving them prospects to take it on. Maybe if the Rockies eat a bunch of that salary, but if you have Chris Bryant, I think it's going to play out just like the Charlie Blackman deal. You're going to get him in cores. Uh, he might be um, not productive towards the end, um, but I think he'll stick around for the whole deal. Uh, Christopher Galvin wants to know uh, ceiling for Kyle Harrison of the Giants versus likely outcome. Uh, with a guy like Kyle Harrison, I don't think there is a likely outcome. You know, he could, so much could go wrong, so much could go right. Uh, so I don't want to say that, but. Uh, he's got the stuff to pitch atop a rotation, even a really good rotation. Uh, he took a lot of strides down the stretch last year with his command. Big time stuff. I think Kyle Harrison kind of gets slept on a little bit uh, when we're talking about the best pitching prospects who are ways away from the majors. Uh, Simon P. Uh, now that Cody Morris is broken, who is the next Guardians pitching prospect that could step up? Uh, for those who didn't see very unfortunate news about Cody Morris, uh, he's he's out, I think, like six weeks at least with a shoulder injury. Uh, I wouldn't say he's broken. Uh, it's a setback, though, for sure. So he's not really rosterable unless it's a draft and hold uh, at this point. Uh, but Connor Pilkington and Tobias Myers would be the two guys for me to keep an eye on. In Cleveland, I think you'll see them ahead of guys like uh, Peyton Battenfield and the good Logan Allen. Uh, Pilkington and Myers probably head to AAA. I think they're both on the 40-man. Um, I, I, I've i got them both ranked in the top 400. I could see them both becoming uh, relevant at some point this year. Obviously not uh, the same level of upside, though, with Cody Morris. And then uh, Simon also wanted to know which arm – would I rather own in the Marlin system between Edward Cabrera and Max Meyer and who comes up first? Uh, I'd rather have Max Meyer. I think Cabrera comes up first. He's already come up <laughs> last year. So, uh, but I, I think we see Cabrera again uh, this year before we see Meyer, but Meyer I think is the better bet long-term. Uh, Cabrera has a similar ceiling to Meyer. I just think Meyer is a, is a safer bet. Um, better command. Uh, Cabrera still gives me some kind of injury risk vibes that Meyer doesn't really, uh, obviously they, either of them could get injured, but, uh, Cabrera's dealt with some arm issues in recent seasons. So <clears throat> I'll go with Meyer there. All right. Uh, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, really appreciate everyone. Um, actually look, got some comments here. I'll, I'll see if I can hit these really quick. 
Uh, Mark Carr, any thoughts on when uh, Rokio will be up? Uh, early 2023. Uh, Joseph Kitson, will O'Neill Cruz start right from the start of the season? Uh, doesn't look like it. Uh, he also wants to know thoughts on Riley Green. I love Riley Green. I just took him in the third round of a 20-team uh, dynasty startup. I think he's going to be a five-category guy. Uh, although there is some strikeout issues, as I as I mentioned. Uh, Kyle Phillips, uh, wondering if Noah Song is back from his military service. What can we expect from him? Not back. Uh, forget the timetable on that. You know, he had a you know really bright future. But, yeah, it's a long time to not be pitching. So uh, I think he's a fine stash in really deep leagues, but I, I don't think anyone can really say what to expect from him. Um, do I think – or Derek wants to know if I think Matt Brash starts the season in Seattle's rotation. Uh, and then he wants to know how likely it is that he can stick in it. I, I think he's legitimately competing for a spot in that rotation. I think he can win it this spring. Uh, command is kind of the main thing for Brash even more so I think than the third pitch, obviously the fastball slider is, is really devastating. I think he could probably get by, I think he'd be a five plus inning guy on just the fastball slider, kind of like Tanner Hawk, but just about the command with him. And I, I think the Mariners would give him a, a pretty long leash. You know, he would have to really crash and burn. Uh, and then you might see a guy like George Kirby get a shot. And then uh, Sean McKnight wants to know, is Aaron Ashby the next Brewers breakout? I've heard good things about his underlying metrics. Yeah, I think he is. Uh, I think he's just on pure stuff and talent. I think he's the fourth best pitcher on the team or the fourth best starter on the team. And I don't really think there's – at the end of the season, I think people will think of Ashby and Freddie Peralta uh, very similarly. Uh, Derek also wants to know, what's your outlook this season for Brandon Williamson? Uh, well, you can read that on roadwire.com. Uh rotowire.com slash pod for free 10 day trial. But uh, Williamson, uh, you know, I think he's got number two starter upside. That was a, he was the best prospect to be traded since the lockout ended uh, in the, in that Jesse Winker deal. Uh, the fastball is, is really a, a money pitch, a money breaking ball, starter repertoire, starter command, Great size for a lefty. So uh, love Williamson. Bit of a downgrade, though, going from Seattle to Cincinnati, especially given how bad they're going to be for a while. Uh, Brandon Patton wants to know how much difference in talent is there between uh, Marcelo Meyer, Jordan Lawler, and Khalil Watson. Uh, Meyer just has the most advanced hit tool and approach of the three. Uh, Watson, I think, has the best combination of power and speed, and Lawler is kind of a, a mix of both those guys. All right, that's going to do it. Uh, this has been a lot of fun, uh, a lot of questions. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, Clay Link and I will be back with you next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.